moms for every stretch mark, for every sleepless night, for every tear that you've cried at night over your kids. You are loved and appreciated. We are miracles, us moms. Um, I mean, I know I am. Um, I get the humbling honor today to, to just tell you what God's been talking to me about. My name is Shereen, if you don't know, and um, I just serve with all my heart here at New Life Fellowship, and I love this family. They allow me to get up here and talk and, and just tell you what God is saying, and hopefully it comes out right. But mom, so Mother's Day. I feel like it was almost destiny because I don't think a guy could come up here and talk about Mother's Day like a mom could, right? And so what do moms do on Mother's Day? They're getting together with their moms and the discussions they have about their kids. They might talk about, like, their birthing experiences, right? Like, we've all got our birth stories. And, um, but it's a very different experience of a guy. Guys are getting together talking about the birthing experiences, um, so, you know, as mom, like, yeah, you know, what candles did you use? Did you have essential oils? Did you have a doula? You know, um, all these things that we're all in these details of, of making it this beautiful experience, right? Despite the pain, we want to make it beautiful. And then the guys get together and their version of events might sound more like the exorcist. Okay, they're talking about beds levitating and heads spinning. It's a very different experience for them. I remember um, Dan and I, first child together, Liam, and he's trying so hard. He's, he's trying to be helpful, guys. You know, you just feel helpless. You don't know what to do, but I'm contracting. And you know the machine, it, it will, like, start telling you, you know, when a contraction is coming, and I'm contracting, and he's just looking at the machine, and, and I'm getting ready to have a contraction, and he's like, yeah, yeah, contraction's coming, it's coming, and at some point, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm all aware, and so he stopped looking at that machine real quick, <laughs> so he was probably feeling a little, Linda Blair was in the room at that point, um, but Birth is painful. There is nothing that feels good about giving birth. But I did it three times. <laughs> and I got excited about each one of them. And I remember um, with Liam, he was a big boy. He's like almost nine pounds. He, that punk broke my tailbone on his way into this world. And... Um, <laughs> He is a big boy, and so that was a hard birth for me. And so when, when I got pregnant with Phoenix, like, as soon as I knew I was even pregnant, I had a plan. I am not going to experience that pain. I'm going to get there as early as possible. Tell them right away, give me that epidural. And they did. And unfortunately, I was so drugged during that birth that I don't really remember anything about it. Remember going there, getting hooked up, getting the shot, and then having a baby <laughs> at home. And I actually regretted that I, I didn't get to experience all the memories in that, in that moment of 
of what all of that is. I don't remember the, any conversations or anything leading up to it. And with Liam, I was very present in all the pain. I actually regretted that in order to fully experience what a miracle that was taking place, I, I missed the pain part of it. And um, so being present in the pain to experience the reward. So despite the pain of birth, um, we, we, we get all excited. We're like, hey, let's do it again. <laughs> right? Somehow we, we forget all of that. Or actually, it doesn't really matter because we know what's coming after the pain. We know when we get delivered from the pain, there's a beautiful gift at the end, right? How many of you would agree that that is a gift from heaven? If we can agree that birth, the most painful experience, for me, physically painful thing I've ever been through, children themselves are a gift, and it's 24 years later, emotionally painful thing that I deal with on a regular basis, parenthood. If that's a gift from, from heaven, would it be fair to say that God isn't just all about us feeling good all the time? Um, but, you know, in, in the culture today, what we tend to see in the world and in the church, unfortunately, is it's about what makes you feel good. You do you, boo, whatever makes you happy. Live your truth. And in the meantime, that's a lie. What's God's truth? Go, I mean, I'm just going to be blunt with you. To hell with your truth, because that's where it came from. So if I'm just chasing a feel-good experience, I've missed the mark. Now, this isn't to say that experiencing God isn't supposed to feel good. The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and he is. And it is a wonderful experience to encounter God. But if we stop there, we've missed it. That's a shallow experience of what God is in the fullness of him. And so, unfortunately, what we see in churches nowadays is that their focus is, okay, do we have, do we have a good worship set? Is the singers going to be on point? Is, is, do we have the right lights? You know, are, we, are people going to come in and like what we're saying and like what we're doing? Are their kids going to have fun so that they'll come back? Let me ask you a question. When you were getting ready for church this morning, and it's Mother's Day, so maybe it didn't look like every other Sunday. Hopefully you were getting spoiled. Maybe your kids made you breakfast in bed. I don't hear many amens, so I don't know what you moms are experiencing today. <laughs> I don't know. Kids, you need to step it up a notch. Moms are not feeling it yet. But but when you're getting ready for church, you're like, yeah, we're going to go have fun. It's going to be a great day. Maybe we have lunch plans. But did you wake up and say, you know what? I hope when I go to church today, something is said that will make me want to die a little. 
something, a part of me will break. I hope that a part of me breaks today when I hear a word from heaven. Nobody? <laughs> Nobody did that? Um, the, I probably didn't either. I was thinking, well, you know, um, I, I did. When I, before I got here, I was like, okay, God, I'm talking about break me. You better break me before I get up here because I don't want it to be me just saying words. But that's a dangerous prayer. Break me. You know, we sing songs about it. We'll get all up in our fields. Refine me, oh, Lord. Put me through the fire. Jesus, take all of me. I surrender. And then we'll leave that song. We'll walk away. And we didn't surrender a dang thing. And when it comes to, to something happen where God's waiting for that surrender, um, we find out we didn't really mean what we were singing. So you can come and have an experience in worship and feel God's presence, which is amazing. But if you didn't leave filled with him, you missed it. So that brings us to when we, just, when we pray this prayer, it's kind of scary because we think, well, what am I now going to, to suffer because being broken is going to be painful? And it is. Um, I was reading a devotional that was called Pray Dangerously, and it talked about praying that prayer. And they got a small group together, and um, one of the ladies was like, no, I, I'm not going to pray that. It's just real honest. Hey, God will meet you right there. I, I'm, I'm glad she was willing to admit that. But she said, no. I have kids. Like, what does praying break me mean? Think of Job, right? We're like, nobody's like, Lord, make me like Job. Nobody prays that. <laughs> nobody prays that. That's scary. Um, but when you think about saying break me, we're like, break, break off these parts of me that get in the way of, of fully loving and serving you. And, and then it gets scary and it gets real and we back off. But I just want to put out to you that you're going to have trials regardless of whether you pray that prayer or not. People who don't walk with Jesus have trials and pain in their life. So that prayer isn't really about saying, break me so that God visits doom upon you in order to refine you. It's really your heart posture. Um, me praying that prayer isn't about asking God to do anything. It's an acknowledgement that I have surrendered my will. So suffering for Christ, it's not what you think. Um, we all have in us dueling natures. I have a flesh nature, sin, that part of me that rebels against God, and it, it wants to feel justified. It wants to be pet and told that it's, it's all okay, just do what makes you feel good. It, it wants to get revenge. It gets offended very easily. Um, it wants to take God's place and be Messiah in the world. 
So when we think about sin, oftentimes we think about the things that are pretty obvious. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to lie. Well, it's a sin when I decide to be Jesus and try to save people myself. That's, that's my flesh. That's my sin nature. So when I talk about flesh, just know I'm not talking about your physical body. So we're going to die to flesh. We're talking about killing that sin nature, what pastor always calls the man in the mirror, that guy in the mirror. So we have these dueling natures, and Scripture says that my flesh is hostile to God. And that's a strong word. I've talked about this before, and, it, and it, once the Scripture was open to my eyes, it just it hits me in the face all the time. This nature that rebels against God is hostile towards him. It will not and it cannot submit. I, my flesh will never be submitted to God. And it doesn't go away. That's always there. But I also have a spirit nature. Okay, I have a spirit man. That's the God DNA in me that's connected to God. And we all have that. So the suffering that I end up having isn't really about the situation. It's really about the, the dueling battle inside of me of how I respond to it. So if you think about suffering for Christ, um, a lot of people are like, well, I have this illness has come upon me so I can be a testimony to being sick and how to get through it without ever being healed. <laughs> people say that. You're laughing, but people have said that. Or, or they are just, they're Christians, right? They're believers, and um, all, the, all they're going around talking about is when I go to heaven. They're singing, I'll fly away. There is going to be a meeting in the air. Woo! I'm going to be there. And, and hey, those songs are great. But if, if you are just living to die, you missed it. God is asking us to die to live. I'm not flying away. I'm getting on my knees right here because the kingdom's right here. So they think they're, they're saved from hell. They did their job. They, they got saved at, you know, whatever, and they were baptized in the water, and they were saved from hell. But they're living in hell. And they ain't even chasing a feel-good experience. For them, it's, I'm suffering for Christ in this world. I'm going to suffer, but one day I'm going home. And that's not attractive. I'm just going to tell you. If that was what was in front of me to say that's what look, living for Jesus looked like, I'm out the door. So suffering is not what you think. Most of the things, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the things that we have, especially if you've grown up in church, most of the things that we think um, are the way it is, it's just not what you think. And God has really been revealing this to me. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story that happened not too long ago. I was planning to take the kids to a movie, and I had a day off. We had originally planned to go to Six Flags. It was going to be raining. I'm like, let's not mess with that. We'll go to a movie. And um, they want to see the new Avatar movie. And it was playing, so if y'all don't know, that movie's like three hours long. 
and I got our tickets. I got them way earlier in the day because we had, and I, I'm one who, and I make plans ahead of time. I'm not too, I don't function well if everything's kind of last minute, stressing me out. So I made a plan and I was sticking to it. And I don't like to be late. It gives me anxiety. If I'm, I tell my kids, you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. So just so you know, if I invite you to something, we're be on time. I'm not happy about it. But so I'm thinking we're leaving in plenty enough time to get to the theater, and I get stuck behind this blessed truck that was super happy going 10 miles under the speed limit. And I'm like, oh, but okay. But we, I have assigned seats, okay? My tickets, they were assigned seats. I'm like, you know what? It's okay. If we're, like, not seated during previews, normally I like to just be seated. I eat my whole, I'll get there so early, I've eaten my whole bucket of popcorn before the movie because that's how early I am. Um, that, that didn't happen. We got there, and then the line for popcorn was super long. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. We have assigned seats, and I'm just trying to keep a happy face on because I want the kids to have a good time. And then we get in there, and the row, that, and the movie has started. My row that we're supposed to be in, so we needed four seats, were taken. There was like one empty seat kind of in the middle. And I'm looking at the little map, like trying to, these are our seats. So I walk over to one side that I think our seat. I'm like, hey, what seat number do you have? He says, oh, it's one. He didn't even look. He's just like, oh, it's seat number one. I'm like, okay, so we must be at this end. Okay. All right, and this old grandpa with his little granddaughters there, and I'm like, hey, I think you're in our seats. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, I, I just sat down. And I'm like, oh, you know, well, there still wasn't enough seats. There was only three seats there. So I'm like, somebody is still in the wrong seat. So I told the kids to go ahead and sit down. And so I'm just standing in the aisle like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so I'm like looking around, and I'm thinking I'll go find an empty seat. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do what I'm actually pretty mad about right now and go take somebody else's seat because that's, they're assigned to it and I'm not going to sit in it. So then I, and I've got popcorn and a drink <laughs> just standing in the middle of the aisle. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go to the car. I'll find a movie on Netflix and just enjoy. I'm like, no, the kids are wanting to spend time. I sat on the floor. I just sat on the floor next to, do not feel sorry for me. Listen, I'm going to tell you. I rebuke you, Satan. Don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> So I just sat on the floor, like I kind of snuggled up next to the, the seat um, on the edge of the aisle, and I was sitting there really agitated. I'm like, that dude on the other end lied. He knows that's not his seat. And he sees me sitting on the floor. And people are walking by me, look, stepping over me not even acknowledging my presence on the floor or asking. Like, the employees came in. They didn't even say. And I'm really throwing myself a pity part. I'm feeling bad for myself. But I'm like, I'm going to tell them. So y'all see me. And the kids are like, Mom, are you okay? I'm like, fine. You'll enjoy the movie. So, but God starts talking to me while I'm on the floor. And, um. He got my attention. And um, he was talking about all kinds of things. But um, I, I am a jewel in his crown. 
He calls me his treasure. I am kingdom royalty. This is what the Bible says about me. And I'm on the floor in the theater while these other people have really good seats. I have the favor of God. And so, but he was not going to get my attention if I was in a cushioned seat eating my popcorn watching the movie. So he talked to me about all kinds of things. And he was even talking to me about the people that took my seat. And um, so when I got done, I was not mad. I was not mad. Um, I didn't go, like, report it or anything like that. And I just asked God to bless those people. I hope they enjoyed the movie. And I meant it. I hope they enjoyed their seats and their popcorn. And I meant it. So the favor of God, it's not what you think. Paul is a good example. Did you say he had the favor of the Lord? That dude went through some stuff. He has a whole list. Shipwrecked, imprisoned, all, all kinds of things. So I want you to just get that in your mind because we're talking about suffering and you think that you have to literally live miserably for Jesus. That's a lie. But I want to bring to your um, mind, there's a couple of scriptures here, and, the, and I've got opened up to these scriptures in a new way. So we are, we hear these scriptures, I'm going to go ahead and read John 3.3. 3. Jesus said, um, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So this first part of, the, of John in, in 3 3, just breaking down what the word kingdom means in, in the Greek, talks about this is God's exercise of sovereign power. And then, unless they are born again, born again means a conversion experience. Okay, so it's, it's basically saying, very truly I tell you, no one can see God's exercise of sovereign power unless they have a conversion experience. So at some point, if you have been born again, you were compelled by the Holy Spirit towards God to say those words, God, come into this heart. Come in and take residence in your house. And the point that you said that, if you remember that point in your life, which most people do, it's a big life-changing event, that is an experience, and it's like no other, and you feel God all in it, and you want to go hug people, and you just see the world in a different way, you see your circumstances in a different way, but how many of you know that that feeling goes away? So what does that mean? It wasn't real? No. God went on further to tell you something about that feeling. So, in John 3, 5, so a little bit further down, it says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Okay? So, the word enter, remember the first one, it said see. No one can see the kingdom. You need that conversion experience to see the kingdom. In this one, he said, you can't enter. So we're, we're talking about something else. In this, 
in this scripture, enter is enter or rise into. What that kind of translates into is being filled because it goes on to talk about born of water and the spirit. And so when we are born again, we make the decision to receive the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean that we're filled with him all the time. He can't fill us if we're in the way. And that flesh nature that we battle is is in charge. Being filled is synonymous with surrendering your will. And that is a moment-by-moment thing when I'm in the middle of my day, I can ask to be filled in the morning and surrender my will in the morning and not surrender it at 3 o'clock and have a breakdown that doesn't look like Jesus. That doesn't mean I don't have the Spirit. It just means that in that moment, I was not filled with him. I was filled with me. So it's a choice. And so, but what this scripture is telling us, there's one part of God that we experience in our born-again conversion, and it feels good, and we tend to want to chase that part of him. But in order to be filled, there's pain involved, because killing my flesh doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to say no to something that is hostile to God, because that's just the very nature of it. If it felt good, none of us would be here. None of us would struggle. We wouldn't shed a tear. We got it figured out. Where does God just take us on up to heaven? We have arrived. So understand what this scripture is telling us. Now, it's not unpopular to say, oh, you need to experience pain. But I want to remind you, suffering, it's not what you think. You're going to have pain regardless. But when I'm walking through my pain with Jesus, it becomes a blessing. It's a catalyst of the very thing I prayed for. How many of you know you pray for patience all of a sudden? Right? We all know that. I just prayed for this, and now I changed my mind. I don't want it. There's pain involved there. So I, I want to tell you a story. If you don't know the story of the three Hebrew boys, okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We all heard that story when we were in Sunday school. I take it for granted sometimes people um, come to church, they don't know any of the stories of the Bible. So I'm going to tell you if you don't know. Um, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're friends with Daniel, and um, Prior to the whole famous fiery furnace story, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he had had a dream, and he wanted it interpreted, but he wasn't just happy with it being interpreted. He's like, I want you to tell me what my dream was and what it meant. And all these people are like, that's not possible, king. He's like, nope. You're going to tell me what it was, and you're going to tell me what it means. He was threatening to kill people. They're like, oh, so Daniel prays, and he's like, Lord, and, and God shows him. He gives him the, the king's dream and the interpretation. He goes and tells the king. king is mightily impressed, and he's like, you know what? You're God, Daniel. 
you deserve a, a promotion. You and your friends. Y'all are going to get promotions in my kingdom. And so they had some pretty important roles in the kingdom for a little while. Well, at some point, the king, despite being in awe of Daniel's God, decides he also is a god. And he'd like to go ahead and erect a statue of himself and tell everybody to worship it. And so everybody's, he says, as soon as you hear the music, you're going to bow and worship this golden image. And so everybody, they hear the music and they bow and they're worshiping this thing. And some people kind of notice those guys over there, they're not bowing. And they see an opportunity to take them out. And so the king gets mad when he gets told that they're not worshiping the golden image. And he goes and tells them, you know, I'm going to give you another chance. And I'm like, no, we're not taking it. We're not doing it. And um, they end up telling him in Daniel 3, 17 and 18, it says, you know, because he tells them, I'm throwing you in the furnace. And I say, you know what, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us, but if not, be it known, we will not serve your God or worship your golden image. And so the king immediately gets mad. He's incredulous. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? Heat that thing up seven times hotter than what it is and throw it. And, like, they didn't even have time to think about it. The guards had to tie him up right then and there and start hauling them off. And um, so <laughs> here's what stru struck me about the scripture, though. But if not... My God can, my God will, but if he doesn't, my yes is my yes. I'm doing what God said. Even on the threat of dying a horrible death. So this scripture often kind of tested me in the past. Like, doesn't that show a lack of faith? They're saying he can and they're saying he will, but then they turn around and they say, but even if he doesn't then do you really believe that he will? Really believe that he can? But as I began to delve deeper into that, saying, but even if he doesn't, but even if not, shows an incredible amount of faith that, you know what, he can, he will, if that's his will, but I'm going to trust that whatever happens, that's what he wants, and that's what I'm going to do. And, and the not knowing what God will do, because I know we can. We know we serve a powerful God. None of us doubt that. We sometimes doubt if he will. Oh, he will do his will. <laughs> I have no doubt that God will do his will. I just don't always know what that is. And it's most of the time not my will, to be honest. <laughs> my ways of doing things are really not God's. Uh, it goes back to, it's not what you think. So, but if not, even if he doesn't. And so I'm kind of, I'll put myself in the place of those boys. What would I do? What would I do? What would you do? Knowing me, I'd probably start thinking of all the ways I can get out of it. 
right? Like, that's not, like, you know what? I have kids. God would not want me to die. I have a ministry. That's not God's will, you know? Um, I've got work to do for the Lord. It is not in it for me to die. God will actually be shamed if one of his disciples gets burned in a fire. I'm doing this for him. I'm going to, you know what, I'll go worship the statue, I'll, I'll pretend, uh, and God knows my heart. And I'm doing it for him because he needs me as his servant and disciple on the earth. Hey, I really would probably do that. I'm just saying, God would have to break my, I'll have to pray that prayer, break me, because my flesh will not say, go ahead and, and put me in the furnace. My flesh ain't saying that. So they are not exempt, those three Hebrew boys. Their flesh is not exempt. But yet, even so. And so, thinking about their story, Thinking about how the battles we think that we're facing, right? Because we talked about the battle is ourselves, really. It's not the thing we think is happening. What, what might it be that you're battling with that you have misplaced what you're fighting? You have misnamed it. So, right, the, the three Hebrew boys might have felt like they're battling the king, Right? Like, he's just a disciple of Satan. He's trying to get us to worship him. Like, he's from hell. That's my battle. God, you need to fix that king. Or save that king so I don't have to die. Or maybe the people that tattled on him that they weren't bowing and they're getting, you know, get offended with them. They're the battle. Well, it might be a battle that you're like, that's the problem, God. Fix that over there. In the meantime, he's like, it's not really the battle. The battle is how you're going to respond to the king. Right? God one amen. All right. <laughs> so, so they heat the furnace up seven times. By the way, you ever notice when you do say no to the flesh that all of a sudden things intensify about seven times? <laughs> Situation gets a little hotter. You start questioning. <laughs> But so the furnace gets heated up seven times hotter. So they get tied up, hauled off, and the fire is so hot that the guards who threw them in there get burned up immediately. And again, I'm just thinking about what those boys are thinking all the way there in every single millisecond leading up to this. I just watched men die from the flames, and it's coming for me. But if not... Even if he doesn't, it really didn't look like God was in the mix yet. Maybe God was already with them and they had peace. I don't know. They get thrown in there and um, the king recognizes. He's like, hey, wait a minute. There are only three men in there? Yep, I see a fourth one and he doesn't look like a regular man. So he pulls him out and the three Hebrew boys... They weren't burned, they weren't singed, they didn't even smell like fire. The power of our God. Amen. 
So God needed them to go into the furnace. He didn't save them from the furnace. Are you praying to be saved from the furnace? Are you praying a safe prayer of God, will you fix this so I don't have to suffer? Or are you saying God is sovereign over my cancer? Are you saying God is sovereign over my daughter's terminal illness? God is sovereign over my mental health. And he can deliver me. He will deliver me. But even if he doesn't, I say yes to God, yes and amen. Every day I wake up, if that depression is still there, even if he doesn't, I'm going to serve the Lord. The battle isn't what you think. In 2 Chronicles 20:15, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. The battle is not yours, but God's. So if the battle that we have inside ourselves is the real thing that's being talked about here. God is not going to force you to make a choice to serve him and say yes to the Spirit. But what he will do is when you're in the middle of the battle, he'll tell you to walk on water and trust him. When you're in the middle of a storm, he's there. He didn't stop the storm. He said, keep your eyes on me. Think of me first. And I'm not worried about all that. And how I respond to that battle is knowing that that, that battle is the very thing that levels me up. <clears throat> so I was telling my son-in-law um, when he was, he was getting ready to be baptized, um, we had a conversation beforehand, and he started all of a sudden getting these attacks in his mind of, you shouldn't do this, you're not good enough, you're not ready. Y'all ever had that happen? You make a decision to move towards God, and all of a sudden, you're not worthy of it. And so he was open and honest about that, and um, he's a big gamer. So I'm like, look, there's a boss in front of you right now. <laughs> I had to use his gamer language to kind of talk to him. I'm like, there's a boss in front of you right now. And uh, you made a decision to, to level up in the spirit. But there's a boss in front of you that's trying to tell you not to do it. And, and, it's, and it's real and it's heavy. But God has got the victory. The victory belongs to God. So we are his kingdom come. Recognize the identity when you were born again of who God says you are. You were brought into the spirit of sonship. Scripture says the Holy Spirit sealed you into ownership. Are you chasing an experience with God or are you asking to be broken? I've shared with you guys before, so some of you know, um, 
you know, some of the physical things that I've gone through, physical health. And um, I used to not be able to walk on my own. I needed assistance either with a walker or a wheelchair. And um, I had I had back surgeries that impacted the feeling in my uh, lower half of my body. And then, um, so my bladder was paralyzed. And so I was having to wear adult diapers and um, just having a lot of, of issues of the lower half of my body not functioning right. And I was hoping that I would be healed, but the doctors had told me, um, you know, you're going to have to catheterize yourself for the rest of your life. Your bladder will not recover. It's been, you know, this amount of time that it hasn't happened. At this point, that is indication that it's not going to happen. So they recommended me to therapy to deal with that difficult truth. And um, in that moment, I don't know. I was just like, I don't need therapy. This is not my life. Thank you for showing me how to do this. And I had to go home and do it. And I did it for six months. Um, and there were times in there where I'm, I'm praying for healing, but I didn't recognize what was happening. I'm praying for healing, but it really wasn't about my healing. I put my focus so much on God. I was spending so much time with him, and I thought it was about healing, but it was really about him talking to me about who I am. And when God's talking to me about who I am, I cannot feel sorry for myself. And my physical battle that I was battling was not depressing to me. There were moments it got to me, and I was, but I was definitely pressed before. I, I went through that depression, was suicidal through a lot of those health issues leading up to this. But there just came a point where I was like, I, I'm living in hell. Mind you, I'm coming to church, lifting my hand and worship, and God, you're so good. And I go home and like, I just want to die. <laughs> That's reality. I really wasn't being filled with him during that time. How many people, I wonder, people that we love are just waiting to go to heaven and die because they're suffering so much here. They've just lost their hope. So I um, spent six months. I, w I woke up every day and I said, today's the day I'm going to pee. <laughs> I didn't know y'all were going to hear about that this morning. Today's the day I'm going to pee on my own. I will not have to use all this equipment. And, and then that day it wasn't. And I was like, well, that's okay, tomorrow. And so in my own way, I was like, you know what? God's going to heal me today. Today's the day. But even if he doesn't, if not, he's still God. He's still God. And he was so gracious to me. And I thank him. I'm so thankful that I went through the period of time that I did. I am so grateful that I was able to be present in the pain so that I began to understand who God is. 
And in that, I had the opportunity to, without trying, be a witness to other people. Why are you so happy? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I love God. And when I'm with him, I cannot be anything but. My host is present. I cannot be anything. The world could be in chaos. And I'm with him, and it's okay. So six months go by. And that's, we had some rocky periods, but six months ago by, and one day, one day, I woke up. Today is the day. And I went a little, little bit, a little bit. I was able to go a little bit. And I got up. I couldn't jump too much. <laughs> I still had to, to keep going because I had to empty the rest of it. And, but I was so excited. I'm like, yes. Now, I wanted, I wanted to tell you something. I'm talking about healing, but this would apply to anything. We have a certain idea of what we think God should do. I'm going to pray for healing, and, and I'm going to be healed in an instant. Can he? Absolutely. Does he? Absolutely. That's not necessarily what he did with me. And if that had been what I hoped for, and it didn't happen, and I gave up, I wouldn't be standing here today. I might be in a wheelchair talking to you about it. It wouldn't be the same story. So as we get ready to close, the call from heaven. God is like, look, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is so good. He is so good. It's beyond our comprehension. He is so good. It's not what you think. If you've experienced such goodness, he's got more. But if all you are here for today is because you wanted to hear a good message for you to get a Sunday school message or to have a good worship service, I'm sorry. You're going to miss it. If you came to church today with a checkbox of things that you were looking for to happen to meet your spiritual requirements, you might as well go home. God is calling us to such a deeper place. He has limited himself. His exercise of sovereign power. Understand what that means. The exercise of sovereign power He has limited that power to be worked through us. We are his church. We are his body. We want to see God make a move on our country, yes? Who doesn't want to see God move in this country? We're the movement. We're the kingdom. And so if we are saying and we're praying... God, I pray for this president, not that he'll leave office, but he's already there. He'll be praying. God, I pray for this president that he'll get his policies in order. (laughs) Who is order? (laughs) Look, really, who is order? God has a plan, and I got to tell you, he's not worried about who's president right now. 
The people elected him. Okay, that's a whole contentious thing. Maybe I won't say that. Um, we won't get into the political. But we know as a country, you love your country. We love freedom, right? Oh, our freedom. Look, I'm a slave to righteousness. And my freedom comes through saying yes to God, no to myself, being filled and being his kingdom on earth for the community around me so that eventually our country is saved. It's not about who's there now. It's about me right here. God, he's after you. He's after you. He's in love with you. And he wants so much more than you have even imagined for yourself. But we get in his way. Let's all stand to our feet. I get, I get excited on Sundays when I do a celebration transition because I love celebrating God and everything that it is. And y'all, y'all see me, people call me the hype girl because I get really excited. And I love when you get excited with me. But I got to tell you something. <laughs> if you get excited and you leave here and you're not changed, it doesn't mean anything. Can you pray the prayer of break me today and mean it? Are you prepared to say, break me, God, and come with a heart posture of surrender? There's a situation in your life where you've recognized, I, I think so-and-so is the battle here, and I'm praying for them. Hey, let's pray for people, but let's recognize where battles are won or how we operate as his kingdom authority and respond to that. I'm going to pray for you, but how do I respond to you? Am I being his mouthpiece? If you are ready to come to the altar and say, break me, that's a bold move. And I invite you to do so, but it's not just for today. Every day that you wake up, eyes open. The prayer every day, thinking of him first is really saying, have your way. Break me today. Get me out of the way. Because tomorrow, that's, that's not for me to worry about. But today, I'm going to have people come in my path who needed to have an encounter with Jesus. And if I'm walking around full of myself, they're not going to encounter him. They're going to get Shireen, probably cranky, probably a little bit of a toot. And I don't know about anybody else, but I love, I love having encounters with Jesus throughout the day through other people. And all, and all they might say is, you have a beautiful smile. I encountered Jesus in that moment because I just got reminded of how God sees me. They didn't even know. <laughs> you know, I hugged my mailman one time. 
I don't know him. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was literally driving by. He was at the mailbox. I have five minutes to get out of my gym clothes and get on a virtual meeting for work. And I drove by him, and I felt very strongly, hugged that man, and I was like, I have time to hug him. That's so awkward. I'm arguing all the way down the road, got into my driveway, felt a gut twist, and I was like, oh, my God, fine, I will go hug him. Lord. So I, like, speed off, drive up, go and just run over to him and hug him. And he's like, I don't have your mail yet. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, that's okay. It's okay. I'm like, I hope you're having a good day. It's really good weather to deliver the mail. And he is looking at me like I am insane. And um, I told him, I really appreciate what you do. I get my mail on time. You bring some of it to the door. You're amazing. God loves you. And he just looked dumbstruck. He was like, well, thanks. And I went back to my meeting. I was on time. I had to break my will right there. That is not me. If y'all know me, like that is not me. You might think so. I've, I'm very introverted in case you didn't know. Y'all don't believe me. Think I'm lying. But I want to invite you into this space right now. Guess if you need to leave, feel free to leave. But we want to spend some time worshiping God. Amen. If you have felt a pull on your heart today, there's a prayer that needs to be prayed this morning because we've got a community to impact. We've got a country to impact. And so I just want to invite you to worship and let's just spend some time with Jesus.